0: All right, well, good morning, Doxa. It's, uh, it's great to see you. This is cute. Um, but uh, man, yeah, great to see you guys. If you're new or visiting, my name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here uh, today, today, every day, you know, whatever. I don't even know. We're after a rough start. That water bottle really threw me off. I don't know. Um, but guys, yeah, we're, I'm excited to, to continue on our, our study in, in Luke and, and get into this. But before we do that, I have a a little bit of a confession to, to give you guys. I'm not super proud of it, don't really want to share it, but I felt like compelled that I, that I needed to, but for the last like week and a half or so, my house has been really decorated for Christmas, and Christmas music has been playing around the clock. I, I know, it's terrible. I, yeah, I, I know, guys, and I, and I share this, I, I'm asking you to pray for me, okay? I, I married Buddy the Elf, okay? And it... <laughs> You know, and we all we all know that there's like two types of people in this world, right? There's there's the people that they celebrate Christmas every day of the year, and they have the constant countdown going to when Christmas is coming. And then you have the people that we know that you don't celebrate and decorate and listen to Christmas music until when? After Thanksgiving, amen, right? <laughs> Guys, I I, I I got worn down and I and I broke and I and I. You know, I have to say this because my connection group came over on, on Thursday or Wednesday last week and people, like I had a, a babysitter come over and they're like, I'd love to watch your kids so you can go on a date, but you're going to have to like put sheets over the tree and all this stuff. But it was like the perfect storm, okay? I mean, I woke up and it was the first snow and I looked out the window and I kind of got, I got like sentimental and emotional for a minute and I was just like, what's going on? And I started cleaning my basement and all the Christmas stuff was just there. And then honestly, my wife, after 10 years of marriage, just finally wore me down, so... That's my, that's my situation right now, so pray for me and Buddy the Elf that is named Lisa in my house. But that honestly has nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about, and I don't have a way to transition into the Bible, so just go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 8, okay? This is uh, where we're going to be and where we find ourselves in our, in our journey through the Jesus story and through the gospel uh, of Luke. But while you get there, I'll, I'll catch you up on to, to where we're at in, in this Jesus story, okay? A few weeks ago, we, we saw how, how Jesus established this new faith family. In chapter 5, as he invited this man named Peter to, to come and to, to follow him, to be his first disciple. And he, he uses Peter then to be really just the leader of, of this new family that he begins to assemble. And as Jesus is going about his daily life and ministry, more and more people, they, they start to follow him. right? And he's assembling this team as they put their faith in Jesus. And now, here's what Jesus begins to do, guys, okay? As he teaches them about their need for a Savior, Right To overcome this sin obstacle that's in their life, that's in all of our lives, he's, he's telling them that they need a Savior, and they're believing in him, they're hearing his words, they're putting their faith, they're following him. But these guys that are, that are following him, they're, they're really just kind of clueless. All right, they really don't know what it means to be part of God's family, what it actually looks like to follow Jesus. And so what we're doing today, in a really practical way, is we're watching Jesus teach them for the first time, what does it actually mean to follow him? Okay, we, we see in Luke chapter 6, then he, he tells that his disciples, that he's bringing together this team, what it looks like. And he, he's saying, man, it looks like a, a radical way of living. That it doesn't make sense to our world how I'm asking you to live. He tells them, he's like, love your enemies. Do something just totally radical. Love your enemies. He's saying, don't judge the people around you. He tells them that, that life isn't about what you have, it's about who you have. That the only thing that truly matters is to love God. This is what he's beginning to teach his disciples. And then he goes on and he does a bunch of miracles, and this basically serves as validation to everything that Jesus said. All right, that, that some of you, you've, you've maybe grown up with the teaching, you've grown up with the thought process of, of, man, I don't, okay, Jesus never really said he's God. The reality is, is he did. He, he not only said he was God repeatedly throughout the Bible, but then he demonstrated and showed that he was God. And as he's walking through Luke's Gospel, we're seeing him do miracles. He's, he's raising people from the dead. He's healing sick people. And all of this is giving validation to who he says he is. And so these people that are around Jesus, they start to watch him. And they're like, okay, he's, he's saying he's God. He's doing these things. Okay, I'm believing him. I'm following him. But I really still don't know what to do with my life. And so what we're seeing here is Jesus is basically going to give them the basics of following Jesus as a disciple. And this is for us too. Okay, So let's just read this account and then we'll go right to work. So Luke chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 16. And this is what Jesus says. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to the light. Take care then how you hear, for to one who has, more will be given. And from one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he, and he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, I, I want you to, to view the disciples here all right, that Jesus is talking to, much in the same light as you would a young child developmentally, all right? So, for example, my my son, Titus, he's he's two years old. He's starting to understand that he actually exists, right? up until this point, it's like, I don't know what he was thinking, just eating and pooping and all that stuff, but he's actually decided, he's Trying to figure out, how do I live in a hum- as a human in this world? And, and as his parents, our job is to really just kind of teach him to, to do this. And so I'm trying my best. We only get one shot, okay? And so there's really kind of three things as I was thinking about this that we're trying to teach Titus, okay? Number one, I'm, I'm trying to get at this idea of, like, big boys don't cry, okay? And now, I know some of you guys, you, you grew up with, like, the macho mentality and you have like, real men don't cry. That's garbage, okay? Because real men actually do cry, but they cry for the right reason. And so I look at Titus and I'm like, buddy, you dropped a nugget. Okay? Nobody died. It's all right. Okay? That's number one. Number two, I'm trying to teach him this idea of like having like a, a work ethic. All right. And so Titus is, is very meticulous. And what he loves to do is he has this little play table and he just like stacked things up there. And he like puts all of his toys on this and he's like, hey dad. I'm like, bud, that is so great. And then he like turns like evil and he just goes, Wham! And just kicks it and goes everywhere and then acts like he doesn't do anything and just walks and plays. I'm like, no, come back, clean it up. You gotta work. And then the third thing, I'm, I'm trying to be like, you gotta be generous, buddy, okay? He, he, his favorite word is mine, right? Lily wants to play with the toys, and Lily, although two years older, Titus is like a tank, right? And he's just like, he's mastered, I don't know how, but he's mastered like MMA submission holds, right? And he's like putting Lily in headlocks. I'm like, no, you gotta share. Now, here's the point, okay? In much the same way, Jesus here is giving the disciples three things that they need to know about following him and living in light of the gospel and living in the family of God. And so this is for us, too. And he tells them these three things, and we're going to look at this. Number one, he tells them the importance of displaying the glory of the gospel. Then he's going to go in to talk about how we grow in the glory of the gospel. And third, how we experience the the glory of the gospel. And we see the first thing in verse 16. Look back at verse 16 with me. It says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. But I want you to underline this next part. But puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. There's the issue, the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be ma- be known and come to the light. And So Jesus here is teaching us how to display the glory of the gospel. And the way that he's talking about this, guys, is he gives us this picture of a candle or a lamp that would be used to, to light a room in the dark where there's no electricity, okay? Pretty basic. And he's basically saying, in a world of darkness, you're to be a light that illumines people to Jesus. And so we're getting this picture, all right, that the world that we live in is just filled with darkness, okay? And the, and the darkness is the stuff that we see and that we grieve all the time as you look at the news in the world around us. Guys, that the world that we live in you, you, you sense this. It's, it's filled. You might not have this language yet, but the world is, is filled with darkness. And it doesn't acknowledge God. It doesn't love God. It doesn't worship God. It doesn't know God. But in the midst of this darkness, there's this beautiful, radiant, untainted light. And Jesus says elsewhere in the Bible that he is, in fact, that light. Take a look at this. In, in John chapter 8, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. All right, you have the light language again. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And guys, here's what's going on, okay? Oftentimes as you're, you're reading the Bible, Scripture is, uses contrasts to help us understand what distinguishes God from us. And, and we as people, we're, we're very proud. All right, so some of you, you guys, you don't even think that you're any different from God. You maybe even think that you kind of are God of your own life, that this is your kingdom, you decide what's right and wrong, and you don't have a a differentiation of, of who God is and who you are. But here what we have is in the Bible, one of the most common images that the Bible uses is that God is light and that we are in a place of darkness. All right, that there's this contrast between who we are and who God is. And God is light, that he's perfectly light, and there's no darkness in him at all. But we, every single one of us, we are in a place of, of darkness. And I, and I really think that we can all likely agree, if we're actually real, guys, that there's things about us that are just dark. All right, that, that maybe there's, there's things that we just try, that you try, you're trying now, as you walk into church, to try and hide from everyone around you. Something so bad and so shameful that we haven't shared that with other people, all right, but you've kind of tucked it away and you keep it in the dark recesses of your life because you don't want anybody to see that. And what it means that Jesus is like, light, guys, is that he's not like that. That he's perfect. And not only is his light untainted and perfectly radiant, but I want you to hear this. This is what Jesus' light does. It exposes darkness in this world and in us. And I'll show you how this, how this plays out, okay? For, for the majority of, of my life, guys, I, I really didn't understand Christianity. All right, that, that really Christianity seemed pretty overly simplistic to me and really honestly just a little bit childish because to me, it just uh, my perception was it was about certain things that you were supposed to do and certain things that you weren't supposed to do and if you did enough of the good things and not a lot of the bad things and you kind of went to church and you prayed every once in a while that at the end of the day, at the end of your life you would kind of score out all right. And it wasn't until a, a friend of mine actually shared the gospel with me and encouraged me to open up the Bible that I began to be compelled, like many of you that are here, To understand the man Jesus. And as I became, as I came to know Jesus more and more, because I I began to see him as light. And he went to work in my life right away. And the things that I I used to think in my life were okay, they, they weren't okay anymore. And for me, it was specifically in terms of, like, relationships, all right, that, that really for the majority of my life, I just had a very hedonistic, humanistic way of living, that, that I didn't regard women as special, it, I, was, I was a pig, I, I, was, I was that guy, right, and, and I, I thought that women existed to, like, bring me pleasure in my life, and so I just took advantage of people. It was a terrible way of living, a terrible view, no one ever taught me that that wasn't the way that a man is created to be, and no one taught me to value women, and I remember the first time this guy, he sat me down and he took me through a Bible study through the Song of Solomon, all right? That was the first book of the Bible I ever studied, the Song of Solomon. Kind of weird, right? Some of you are laughing, you're like, I know, that is weird. But it's basically about relationships, sex, dating, all this stuff. And you get this picture, all right, of, of what, how God has, has created you to interact. And you get this picture of a guy named Solomon interacting with a woman, right? And how he pursues her, how he treats her, and all this stuff. And I remember in that moment, I began to experience Jesus as light and as the light of the world part of his role in my life is to shine his radiant perfect light into my darkness and expose my sin and he did that and he continues to do that in my life and there's times when the things that are exposed in my life that I, that I start to see just how different I am from Jesus and, and maybe you guys, as you've been coming around Doxa, as you've been getting involved in connection groups or going to Salt Company, maybe as we've been opening up the Bible, the Bible has turned into a mirror in your, in your life, and you begin to see Jesus. And you, so, you see yourself in terms of who Jesus is, and you realize how big the gap is, and you're seeing the deficiencies in your life. I need you to hear this, guys. When God exposes darkness in us, the hope is that we would come to him and not run away from him and hide and find even more darkness. But we don't understand this unless we understand who God is. Because I want you to know this, when it comes to Jesus as light, light causes life and growth. And this is what it means that God is light, that in him, by him, and through him, we can find life and we can grow and we can move towards God. That when he shines his light into our darkness, the hope is that we would confess that darkness and that sin and find forgiveness and move on, changed into the men and women that he has created us to be. And he does this, guys, for our salvation and our sanctification. But I want you to hear this, guys. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. But all of this is for all of people around us. This is Luke's gospel. Good news for all people. It's for everyone. And what Jesus is pointing here to in Luke chapter 8 is that the only way for the good news of Jesus' salvation, the only way that this can get out to all people is by God's people living like Jesus as lights in a world of darkness. And so here's what this means. Alright, guys, just like Jesus, those of you who are Christians, all right, we have the light of the Holy Spirit within us. And Jesus is telling us, guys, just let it shine. All right? It's kind of like this, okay? My house is like a giant musical all the time. Okay? If you know my wife, she loves this thing, she's got a great voice, my kids love to sing. Like, it's just overwhelming. Like I walk into the house, and rather than just saying, hey dad, it's like, hey dad, like it just turns into a song, right? I don't understand like what's going on. But like Lisa, it's great because she's teaching her these songs and, and, and she teaches these, these songs that teach a lot of like gospel truths. And so, I, and so I love it. But you remember that song, This Little Light of Mine? Yeah, This Little Light of Mine. It's a terrible song that will ruin your day because it will get caught in your head and then all of a sudden you're going to be at your job and whistling that song. And people are like, what song? Oh, never mind, it's weird, okay? Right? But while it's this song that can get stuck in your head, guys, it's got so many great theological truths in there. Let your light shine. This is the issue that Jesus is talking about here in in Luke 8. But the question that we have to ask is, is why? Why do we let it shine? Look back to verse 16 and 17. He says this, So that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come like. Guys, it's with the purpose. So why shine the light? It's with the purpose that everyone around you would see the good news of the gospel that is for all people. It's to live life for the mission of God. It's about Jesus and people, people meeting Jesus because Jesus loves people. This is it. But the problem in our world today is this, guys, is that so many Christians, and I'm not even naive to think that in this room, there's probably some of you that think that your faith is a, is a private thing. And, and, it's, and it's understandable because we live in this world, right, that, that there's darkness everywhere, right, and there's a lot of pressure to conceal and hide the light and not talk about Jesus. And for some of you, when it comes to your family and friends, your neighbors, you've never talked to, about Jesus with them because you don't want it to be awkward. For others of you when, you, when you walk into work, no one in your workplace would ever guess that you're a Christian, that you love and you follow Jesus because your job there is just to blend in. Because you want to be accepted and liked by your coworkers, And so you just go along with the gossip and the laziness and, and the, just all the stuff that, go, that happens in your job every single day. But what Jesus is showing us, guys, is that our faith is not private. It's most certainly personal, but it's never private. That we don't conceal the light that God gives us, but we let it shine for everyone to see. Because when we don't hide the light of God in our lives, which is the message of Jesus, but we display it and we proclaim it for others to see, then what is hidden, as Jesus says, which is the mystery of the gospel of salvation, when we proclaim it and display it, it will be seen and understood by everyone around us and people will come to know Jesus and inherit eternal life. And this is the goal. This is the mission. People coming to know Jesus. I've heard it said that there's actually five Gospels, not four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and me. And people read the fifth Gospel a lot more than the other four. And what it means, guys, is that by people looking at your words, works, and your ways, they see something about God. And so as you, a Christian, are walking through the everyday stuff of life, understand that your words, your works, and your ways are saying something about Jesus to the world. But the question is, is it saying the right thing? Are you letting your light shine like Jesus is saying. Alright, and for us practically guys, this means that where there's sin where there's lies, where there's injustice holding people down you speak truth and you act regardless of your popularity. Where there's racism, where there's sexism happening you stand up for what God stands up for and you fight for equality regardless of the fallout and the relational disunity this, this that you can have with your people around you. You fight for what God fights for. Where there's governmental policies that are being pushed, that are in opposition to the value of human life that God created, you speak up and you vote. Where there's people that are in need and they're suffering, and they just are down and out, you step into the mess and you give generously and you love generously. This is letting your light shine. And guys, honestly, if if you're one of those people who thinks or or says, man, my faith is just a a me thing, It's it's a private thing, And all that stuff that you just said kind of makes me feel uncomfortable and so that's good for you to do but I'm just going to kind of do my thing. I'll come to church and I'll go to Connection Group and and I'll do stuff with my Christian friends but I'm not going to really do all this because it would just be awkward. Jesus is breaking into your life right now and saying, God, please, for the sake of the world around you, don't hide the light that I gave you. It's like I gave you that light so that you could go into the darkness of the world and the darkness of your families In the darkness of the relationships, and shine that light and show people that there's hope. That there's gospel hope because of Jesus. He said, I gave it to you so that other people can find what you have found. And he's saying that the world needs me. And you're the means to get the world to see me. This is what Jesus is saying shine your light. And I know that, guys, some of you are even thinking, okay, but that's just going to be really awkward. People are going to get upset with me. I'm not going to get invited to lunch anymore. Yeah, that might happen. But you know what else is going to happen? People are going to be attracted to you. And it's not because you're great and you're beautiful and you're talented. It's because you have the light of God in your life. You're letting it shine. And the gospel love that is in you will flow out of you. And people will be radically attracted to you because they were radically attracted to the love of God in a world of darkness. It's that intoxicating love. If you think about how the church has come, it started off with a small group of these disciples. They didn't have power, they didn't have prestige, but what did they have? They had the love of God, the light of the gospel, right, that was so infectious and contagious that people just wanted to be around and they were drawn in to the family of God that you'll be walking in your workplace and people will look at you and be like, I think you might be the only person in here that cares about me, my marriage is terrible right now. Can you just, can I talk to you? People will look at you as you're walking through the halls and say, man, I'm just sensing that there's something different. I know that you're involved in a church. Can you just pray for me because everything sucks right now? It's letting your light shine so Jesus can work through you to draw people to himself. And so guys, with this, this is where we have to get a little bit introspective. And we just have to ask the question, how is this looking in my life? I want you to ask that. For those of you who are Christians, are you shining and showing the light of Jesus or are you hiding and concealing that light that God gave you? All right, who are you hiding your light from? Who, who, who is it that you need to talk about Jesus with that you haven't because you're, you're worried that it's going to be awkward? Right? Who is it that you need to give to? Who is it that you need to serve? Who is it that you haven't invited because you've been too like, how is your light shining? Step into those questions. Wrestle with that stuff in your connection group. Right? And just be real. How is that working? Because I want you to know this, guys. If someone hadn't done that for you, if someone hadn't been shining the light of Jesus around you, You wouldn't be sitting here as a child of God. That we are all products of somebody hearing the gospel, letting their light shine in such a way that we were drawn into the gospel. And so Jesus is just saying, do that. Let's keep going. Look at verse 18. Jesus goes on and he says this. Now, take care then how you hear. I want you to circle here in verse 18. Circle that. For to one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So Jesus, he's he's teaching his disciples, and he tells them, okay, not only are you to display the glory of the gospel by living as a light, but we need to grow in the glory of the gospel and let our lights get progressively brighter. And what he says here is how this growing happens, guys, is through hearing. Right? Isn't that weird? The, The way that we grow is by, by hearing, it's through listening. And I, and I really think that this is somewhat problematic for us in our, in our culture because today we're just terrible at listening. Guys, especially us, some of you are just totally zoning out and you're like, wait, what did you say? Exactly, right? <laughs> right but, I, but I talk to guys all the time and I talked to a guy just a few weeks ago and his, his marriage is, is, is rough right now. And I'm like, man, okay, well, what's going on? And he's like, man, she just is always on me for not listening to her and all this stuff. I'm like, well, what is she saying? I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. Right? Okay, well, hey, there you go. Okay? We don't listen well. All right, but Jesus says that it's so important for us to listen and to hear. Because without hearing well, we can't understand the truths of God. And he says those who hear and listen well will ultimately understand the gospel and they will find eternal life and they will continue to grow because they will let God's word make a difference in their lives. But he also says that those who are not hearing and not listening well are going to lose everything because they will miss the main thing. Jesus. It all goes back to him. And this, and this honestly made me think about the different types of, of church experiences that we, we can have. All right? that, that some churches you go to and the main thing that they emphasize is, is singing and music. Right? And they have they have hazers and lasers and all of these different things. And, and it's because to create this, this great experience where it's about music and performance. And okay, it's great. It's, it's worship, right? Other churches, you're gonna go and, and you're gonna they're gonna emphasize serving and, and going out into the community and doing all this stuff and, and giving radically and all this stuff. Others they're gonna say, okay, it's prayer. We just need to be really holy, and we're gonna pray all the time. What does Jesus say? He says all of that is is good and it's godly and you see that in the context of the entire Bible but first we need to listen. We need to hear. And guys, this is what we're committed to as we gather as a family. And yes, it's to experience the goodness of the family of God through relationship and yes, it's to sing and have great music and yes, it's to pray and yes, it's to go and serve and to give and we do all the the food stuff and we want to give back and exist for the glory of God and the good of our city but first, in primary, we hear. We gather to hear and to hear the word of God. This is the big idea as we gather at Doxa all the time. It's hearing through the Word of God. That as Christians, as we, we read the Bible and we listening, we're listening to, to preaching of the Bible, and we do this carefully. So that we can grow to know God more and more and shine the light of Jesus brighter and brighter into a world that doesn't know him, into a world that is dark. And so again, I'll ask you, how well do you listen? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like, have you thought about how well you listen when you when you come to church? I mean, do you? Listen, how do you listen well at church? I, I actually, honestly, I don't know if I've ever really thought about that too much until I started studying this, this passage. And as I was studying it, I came to a, a a sermon from George Whitfield, Whitefield all right, in, in the mid-1700s. And the sermon was titled Directions and How to Hear a Sermon. And I've, I've read this a couple times this week, and I'd encourage you guys, I mean, it's kind of like the old English stuff, but yeah, it, some of the stuff I didn't understand anything, but it was good. So you can Google it and all that stuff. But here's what I want to do, okay? He gives six practical things of how to hear a sermon well. And I think that if we're going to listen to Jesus and say, okay, it's important in the way that you hear. Like, we need to listen to this. All right, so I want to, in an attempt to to teach us and to disciple our church how to hear and to listen to a sermon well, I want to give you these six things really quickly and run through them. I want to have you write them down. You can wrestle with it at Connection Group this week. But here is what he says. George Woodfield, how to hear a sermon. Number one, Woodfield says to come to hear them. He says you actually need to show up. That's a good step, right? But then he goes on to say, not only just come to hear him, but don't just come out of curiosity, but from a sincere desire to know and do your duty. And really what he's pointing to is is this idea that we need to know why you are coming, why we come to church. And the primary reason, guys, that we come to church and listen to sermons is to hear the words of the Bible and then listen to this. Actually do them. Whitfield says, don't just come to be entertained. All right? We don't do that. We don't come to, to hear jokes, and we don't come to, to see a band. We, we come to listen to God. We don't come for entertainment, but we come to have our hearts reformed. Listening is the primary purpose with the purpose of obeying what we hear. Number two, Whitfield says, here's how you hear a sermon. Prepare your heart before you hear and give diligent heed to what you hear. Alright, he says really two things in this. He says, first, guys, I want you to get this. This is huge. We need to be easily edified. Easily edified, meaning that you should be easily encouraged, that you can learn from anybody. That somebody that, that walks up and, and they do a terrible teaching, right, that you can still learn because they're teaching the Bible. All right? That we should have this posture as we as we come in to just be humble and hungry. And we're desiring the words from the preacher because we know it's ultimately the words of God that he's speaking from the Bible. And so before we we gather, we should ask God, you should be driving up to the Sheridan, pulling into this parking lot, and just have a moment where you just stop and say, God, just humble my heart. Let me not be prideful. Let me not walk in here and think I know everything and I should be up on the stage and doing all this stuff. But let me just be humble and just have open hands just to receive. Would you just teach me something? Because I actually want to hear from you today. But then secondarily, he says, do it diligently. All right? And here's what this means. Practical things. Guys, you need to have your Bible. And if you're like, I don't have a Bible. Guys, there's a table out there with free Bibles. And if you take them all, we'll go get more. Right? Bibles. Bring your Bible. Bring a pen. Underline. When I say circle, that's not just like me having like a teacher moment. It's like, bring, circle it. Underline it. Right? And if you're like, man, I'm super techie, I, don't, I forgot how to write. Right, I just have a, Bring your computer. I don't care. Do it. Don't send me an email and say that was wrong because I'm going to look at the time and I'm going to know. Okay? But be diligent that you're writing things down. You're listening in such a way that you have something when you leave here. Something to take with you. Number three, he says, do not entertain prejudice against the preacher. I like this one. Okay, I was like, man, that's really good. But what he's saying is that the preacher, and I want you to hear this, guys. As you guys are getting to know me, I want you to really know that he's saying that the preacher who is giving the sermon is broken and flawed and jacked up and sinful just like you. And you guys need to know that about me if you don't already. I'm messed up. I'm broken. i got a great God. I'm not a great man. He says, know that. And he says, sometimes... You're, the, the preacher is going to get tripped up on words and their thoughts, and they're not going to come out that the way that he said he's going to say something, a joke that he thought was funny in his head, but he shouldn't have said it because it was actually kind of offensive, right? And he's kind of saying, hey, he's apologizing me for, for me preemptively, okay? He's saying, don't get caught up on all of that. But here's the point. Guys, it's not about how good the sermon is, right? It's not about you, like, getting on Instagram right now and being like, oh my gosh, that sermon wasn't, and you put those little fire emojis. I don't really even know what that is, okay? But, but it's not about like how, having like a great sermon. It's not about how funny the preacher is. It's not about how trendy, and oh my gosh, he's got the, the glasses, right? Those black rimmed glasses. He looks super cool and hippie and like all this. I, it's not about that. It's about him faithfully trying to preach the word of God that you can listen in a way that you can say, okay, I'm going to get through all this stuff and I'm going to hear the word of God being spoken. This is what he's saying, that even if you don't like the delivery, you listen to the words. Because it's about the Bible, it's about God speaking to us. Number four, it says don't depend too much on a preacher or think too much of him. And as you read the Bible and you, and you learn about the role of an elder or a pastor in a church, we learn from guys like Peter that part of the role, my role as a pastor and a preacher, is to, is to feed the sheep, right? That, that really part of my role every week is, is I study the Bible, and I get up in front of us and I teach our church the Bible. This is a big part of how the church and how God uses the Bible throughout the generations, right, to to lead the family of God is the the preaching of the Bible. But here's the thing, because if you're coming here and the only way that you're being fed is by listening to the words of the preacher, you're missing it. And you're going to quickly become the person that hops from church to church and people are like, well, why did you go to a different church? Oh, I wasn't being fed. Oh, okay. Well, why did you go to this church? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't really being fed. They weren't, deep, they weren't deep enough. Because you need to get into the Word yourself. Okay, you need to learn how to feed yourself. This shouldn't be the only day that you get into the Word and you hear from God. All right, and so practically, guys, a good practice is to go back and reread the passage that we preached on. Go back and reread the notes that you took from the passage that we preached on. Go back and start talking about it with your spouse or your, your significant other, or your kids, your connection group, and say, okay, this is what was said, this is what I'm feeling. What do you guys think? This is what we're talking about. Feed yourself. Number five, it says make a particular application of everything that is delivered to your heart. And this is to say, guys, don't be religious as you listen to sermons. Right? Don't come in and think, oh my gosh, we're preaching on Luke 8. I've read this like 80 times. I know it. I've written it. I've studied it. I can't learn anything else from it. That is pride. And we know that all God's word is, is living and active. It's profitable to teach us. And so we could read the same thing every single day and God can speak to our heart in a different way. Is he's saying, don't sit there and think, okay, I know this. I really hope Steve is listening to this because he is Right? No, that's not it. He's saying, sit there and, and just ask God, okay, I'm listening to your words right now. Help me see how this impacts my life. That's what you're doing. Right now, what does this mean for me? And then make an application and actually go do it. And then finally, number six, this is what he says. When you hear God's word preached, pray to him before, in, in, after every sermon as we need to pray. Before we come, we pray to be teachable. While we listen, we pray to be focused. When we are leaving and we're done, we pray to be obedient. We pray and ask God to help us with all this. Guys, I want you to hear this. If we actually become a church who does these things and we learn to hear well like Jesus is saying here in Luke 8, we'll grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus and our light gets brighter and brighter as we image Christ more and more. And all of this will allow us to be more effective in reaching the people around us with the gospel message of Jesus. We will see people come to know Jesus because we are actually living as the people that Jesus has created us to be. And we're letting our light shine in such a way that we're hoping to display the glory of God for the good of this city that we live in. And so, display the glory of God by being a light Grow in the glory of the gospel by hearing. And finally, he says, experience the glory of the gospel through obedience. All right, verse 19. He's teaching his disciples all this stuff, and his family shows up. Look what they say. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they cannot reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Underline that last part. Hear the word of God and do it. Because here's what's going on here, okay? According to Mark chapter 3, verse 21, Jesus' family, they came to see him. And the reason that they came to see him was because they thought he was out of his mind. They, they literally thought he was crazy. Right? That's what it says in Mark 3:21. They thought he was out of his mind. They, they didn't really see him for who he was. They were kind of like, maybe they didn't even believe that he was the son of God, right? That they were just kind of like, okay, my son, the carpenter, he was doing so great with his life and making tables and chairs, and now he thinks he's God, and it's just all jacked up. We need to go talk to him. And so they go and they find him and Mary is thinking like, okay, I'm his mom, I'm going to use some of my influence, I'm going to come and I'm going to influence him. But Jesus looks at his mother and he respectfully rebukes her and says no. And this is not Jesus being rude, okay? So don't, if you're looking for something to throw against Jesus, it's not like, oh my gosh, he's mean to his mom. No, he's not, okay? Because, you know, Jesus on the cross, right? In the Gospel of John, he's, he's on the cross, he's dying. Who's at the feet of the cross? His mother And John, his disciple who he loved, and he looks down as he's dying, and he looks at John and he says, John, I need you to do something for me. One thing, take care of my mother. This is not an issue of Jesus disrespecting his mother. This is not an issue of Jesus severing ties with his family. But he's using this example, this moment in time, to teach us something. That relationships, physical relationships, are good, but spiritual relationships are just as binding." And this, the spiritual relationship, is the basis for the new community, the church, the family of God that Jesus was building. Guys, and here's what this means for us. Some of, some of you, you've, you've grown up around Christians your entire life. Some of you, you've grown up in the church. Mom and dad made you go to all these different places. right? You, you learned all the songs like my daughter. right? And you think that because everyone around you was a Christian growing up and that you grew up in the church, that you're naturally grafted in through your physical family. But it's not it. It's just not it, because why? What does Jesus say? Look back. My mother and my brothers, my true spiritual family, are those who hear the Word of God and do it. But guys, to experience the goodness and the glory of the Gospel is not just being around people that know the Gospel, but it's through loving the one that the gospel comes from, it's Jesus. And one of my biggest fears is that you could come to Doxa week after week after week, and you would be examining the gospel of Jesus and somehow think that you're really experiencing it. Because a non-Christian, an atheist could come here and examine the gospel of Jesus. You could read through the book of the Bible and you could say, oh, okay, I'm seeing what's going on here. But only a Christian has come and confessed their sin and came to jesus in faith and says here it is give me give me salvation you can take my sin it's only then that you begin to experience the glory of the gospel and i don't want that for us i want us to move from examining to experiencing and this is so important because guys there's basically three moves in the christian life and i want you to look at this on the screen you can basically see it this way Right? When, you, when you look at it, it's, it's connectivity, it's faith, which drives identity, which is our family nature, which leads to our activity. All right? That for Jesus, for Paul, the, the other New Testament authors, this is the flow of the Christian life. This, the, the starting blocks is, is connectivity to God. That this is where it starts. It's, it's through faith that we're connected to God. This is where everything is, starts. And then out of that, out of the overflow of that love that we receive from being connected to God through faith in Jesus, we're given an identity, we're called his children. Right? We're brought into the family. We're brought into the spiritual, the church. And out of that, the overflow of the love drives our activity, everything that we do. And this is so important because our world gets it backwards. And religious people will say, no, it's actually not connectivity, which drives identity, which drives activity. But some of you, you've been brought up to think it's the opposite way, that you think, man, it's all about what I do that I'm going to cherry pick these verses and say okay I got to be better I got to stop drinking I got to stop sleeping around I got to stop cussing I got to do all this different these different things and once I'm a I'm a good enough person because of my activity then that will lead into my identity and maybe then I can become a child of God and as I keep getting better and better then I will be connected to God and finally be a Christian guys that is backwards it's all about Jesus Every page of your Bible, every book of your Bible, it's all about Jesus. It starts with Jesus, it's sustained by Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. It's all about him. And when Jesus says to to his family is the ones that hear and respond and obey, he's saying, you're hearing, okay, here's God in front of us. You have a sin issue that's separating you. I'm the answer, and we respond to that and we come. This is salvation. This is where it starts. And so for you, Daxa, have you done that? Some of you, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're realizing for the first time, I, I don't know where I'm at. Respond. Come to him in faith today. For those of you who are Christians, man, continue to hear the word of God. Let it drip like an IV so that the gospel comes in you and just takes you over In just flows out of you and that your light shine brighter and brighter and brighter so we can see more and more people say yes to Jesus and join the family of God and we can just celebrate all the more. Let me pray. God, thanks for your word. And there's times where it's uncomfortable because I see myself and how far away I am from the man that you've created me to be, but I also know that Paul's words in Romans chapter 8, that if I'm in Christ, that there's no condemnation. And so thanks for shining your light today as we looked at your word. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would just light up those areas in our life that you're pressing on, that you're challenging, and that you would empower us by your grace to step into the men and women you've created us to be. Help us to just see Jesus. Would we learn to hear well so that we can come to know you and experience you in such a way that the gospel would just take us over and that we would be conformed to your image, Jesus, and just shine our light. Because we just want people to know you. I just ask this